today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farrakh. Make no mistake about it, the letter of our lives is read. People are reading us, Christian and non-Christian alike, all the time. I find it again interesting that Paul would say that we're living epistles read and known by everyone. And that's what we're known by. And by our fruits, they will know us. That's how we'll be known. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. How will people remember you when you're gone? What about today? What do your habits and conduct say about you? In today's message, Pastor J.D. reminds us that, like it or not, each of our lives is an epistle read by our family, friends, and co-workers. You can quote scripture all day, but it's your fruit that truly makes up your legacy. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with part one of his message, The Living Letter of My Christian Life. Today, we begin a new chapter, chapter three, and our text will be verses one through six. The Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit is writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, verse 1, Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, verse 2, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that, verse 5, we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Today's teaching is going to be part one of a series I've titled, The Living Letter of My Christian Life. I made the decision to approach this chapter a little bit differently than what we typically do, in the sense that I want to pose questions. Questions that we as Christians, I think, would do well to ask of ourselves. And here in our text today, we're going to look at the first two questions, which are about how the living letter of my Christian life would read. 
As the Apostle Paul says, it's read and known by everyone. What would the letter of my life read like? What would it be about? Here's the first question. It's in verses 1 through 3. Is the letter of my life about my being in the Spirit, or would it be about my being in the flesh? In verse 1, Paul, true to form, rhetorically asks these Corinthian Christians who heretofore are still falsely accusing him, questioning him, and he asks them if they're beginning again, yet again, to commend themselves again to the Corinthians, or like others, do they really need letters of recommendation to them or even from them? In verse 2, he says that they themselves are his letter of recommendation, written on their hearts, and again known and read by everyone. In verse 3, he tells them that their letter from Christ shows the results of his ministry, the fruit of his ministry, if you prefer, and that the letter that is written is not written with ink on tablets of stone, but with the Spirit of the living God on the tablets of the human hearts. What Paul is saying here is that they don't need a letter. This was the custom actually in that day. They would, as apostles, as teachers, they would have to be vetted, if you will, and they would have to have these letters of recommendation. Even Paul himself had written letters of recommendation. So these Corinthian Christians are, well let me rephrase it this way, they have the audacity to ask of the Apostle Paul for a letter of recommendation. Now think about this. Did not the Apostle Paul plant this church? Did not the Apostle Paul spend well nigh a year and a half with this church? And they're asking him for a letter of recommendation? Are you kidding me? He cites the reason as to why it is that they don't need a letter by saying basically that the proof is in the pudding. You'll forgive my use of that modern-day cliché, I guess. But our Christian lives and the fruit of our ministry becomes the recommendation. But here's the thing, that presupposes that we're walking in the Spirit, and it will be evidenced by the fruit of the Spirit. I see Paul here being hurt. It's hard to imagine someone like the Apostle Paul actually being hurt. If you're anything like me, you have this picture in your mind of the Apostle Paul just being this one tough guy. 
Nothing phases him. Nothing moves him. But i got to believe that as the founding pastor, if you please, that he was deeply hurt by these Corinthian Christians demanding from him this letter of recommendation. And Paul's response is what you would expect from the Apostle Paul. He basically tells them that this letter of recommendation that you want is unnecessary because all you have to do is inspect the fruit of my life. Look at my life. Look at my ministry. I'm the real deal. I'm not a false teacher as you have accused me of being. Be a fruit inspector, as one so aptly put it. You know how we always hear, don't judge. Don't judge. Well, (laughs) I think that is a misnomer in the sense that we need to have good judgment. But more than being a judge, we need to be a fruit inspector. Inspecting the fruit of another's Christian life. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 16 through 20, Jesus speaks to how it is that we can know whether or not a Christian is a true Christian or not. Whether they are a true Christian or a false Christian. He says, you will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. When Paul wrote to the churches in Galatia, he defined, listed, what these fruits are. In chapter 5, verses 16 through 25, he says, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Hang on to that. I want to come back to that in a moment. Now, The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication. Listen to this list. It's very interesting. Uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, (laughs) heresies, Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Wow, that's quite a list of bad fruit. 
that we could be known by. I think we would do well to ask ourselves, could any of these in this list be said of us? I find it most interesting that he would include in this list things like dissensions alongside something like murder? Murder? Dissensions is rising to the level of murder? Yes. Hatred? When we hate, do we not murder in our heart, Jesus said? Well, he goes on to say, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now verse 22, he goes to the other side of the table, so to speak, and says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And then he says this, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now here's the question that is before each and every one of us today, and I include myself in that. Were someone to read the letter of my life, would it be a love letter? Would it be loving? Would it be joyful? Would it be characterized as peaceful, long-suffering. As I'm looking at your body language, I'm sort of surmising that you're feeling, as I feel right about now, convicted, convicted, and the list goes on. Make no mistake about it, the letter of our lives is read. People are reading us Christian and non-Christian alike, all the time. I find it again interesting that Paul would say that we're living epistles read and known by everyone. And that's what we're known by. And by our fruits, they will know us. That's how we'll be known. Whenever I do a memorial service, and I've done my fair share of memorial services as a pastor. It's always interesting to me because the final chapter has been written in that life. And nothing more can be written anymore about that life. It has been brought to an end. And when you see the response from 
family and friends concerning this life that has now come to an end. It is always interesting to me that there's only good that is said. Now that's okay. I mean, could you imagine at a memorial service, somebody gets up and really speaks the truth about the deceased? Oh my goodness, that would be horrific. (laughs) Sometimes it's kind of hard to come up with, you know, you really got to you know, they were a good person. Eh, okay, they were a, a they, they intended good. Eh, okay, they were a rotten, stinking person. <laughs> but God, <laughs> but God. This brings us to our second question. It's in verses 4 through 6. Is the letter of my Christian life about my confidence in Christ, or is it about my confidence in myself? Maybe better asked, when someone reads the letter of my life, would they read about a self-confident Christian, a self-reliant Christian, dare I say a self-righteous Christian, or would they read about a Christian life that is righteous in Christ? the confidence and the competence and the sufficiency is in Christ alone, only. In verse 4, Paul says that such confidence we have is through Christ before God. And in verse 5, he says, we are not sufficient, we are not competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, rather our competence and sufficiency comes from God and is of God. He tells them in verse 6 that God has made them competent ministers of the new covenant, but it's not the letter that kills, but of the Spirit that gives life. Now stay with me, because this is interesting for a number of reasons, chief of which is that the Apostle Paul is contrasting the law of God with the Spirit of God. Namely, that of the letter of the law of God, which brings about death, contrasted with the Spirit of God, which brings about life. Why? Because the reason for the contrast is that the penalty for breaking God's law is death. It's the death penalty, and that's why the law kills. The law pronounces upon me a death sentence, specifically the Ten Commandments. What if I told you that the Ten Commandments were never intended to be kept? Does that make sense? Well, then what's the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law is to show me me. 
in the mirror of God's Word. My true condition before a perfect and righteous and holy God. Commandment number one, I'm done. So are you too. So don't look at me all spiritual because you're done too. (laughs) Commandment number two, guilty. Commandment number three, guilty. Commandment number four, guilty. Number five, guilty. And so on all the way through to commandment number ten. That's God's law. That's God's perfect standard of righteousness. And we are all law breakers. So what's the purpose of the law? To just show us, us, this is my condition. Just as I get up in the morning and as I do every day, much to my consternation, and look at my face in the mirror, and it shows me, (laughs) me, (laughs) in my true condition. And because I see me, In my true condition, now I'm propelled to do something about my true condition. So I comb what little hair I have left. I shave the hair that's on my face that I wish was still up here. I brush my teeth so my breath doesn't stink when I say good morning to you on Sundays. And I do whatever I need to do because of what I see in that mirror. And that's what God's law is. It's the mirror of God's law that shows us us. And it becomes for us a tutor, a schoolmaster, if you prefer, that takes us by the hand. Now that we've seen our true condition as sinners, as lawbreakers, and it takes us ever so gently to the Savior. The law shows us our need for the Savior. Because see, now I'm a lawbreaker. I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. And that's what the law does. That's the purpose of the law. It has pronounced upon me a death sentence. That's why the law, the letter of the law written on stone tablets, kills. But the Spirit gives life. And that's what Paul is saying here. We are so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. If you'd like to learn more about the Apostle Paul's letter, we encourage you to continue reading ahead. As you do, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the truths and promises contained in its verses to you. You can also hear additional messages from Pastor J.D. on this book by visiting our website, InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com Listen online or download these teachings to have available anytime. We've also created a mobile app as well for Apple and Android devices so you can take Pastor JD's teachings with you on the go. We'd also like to point you to the Aloha Prophecy Update tab on our website 
And with more information, here's Pastor J.D. Thank you, Josh. One of the main reasons we do these prophecy updates is that we believe the rapture of the church can happen at any time. In fact, it may actually be closer than we even realize with all the things that are taking place in the world today. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, verse 28, Jesus said that when we see these things begin to come to pass, that we should look up and lift up our heads, knowing that our redemption draws nigh. We believe that Jesus was referring to that which is now happening in the world, especially geopolitically. It's my hope and prayer that these prophecy updates will be a source of encouragement to you as a listener, not only to ready you and steady you, but to share with others the lateness of the hour in these the last days of human history as we know it. Thank you ever so much for listening. I hope you will join us every week here at In Spirit and Truth Radio. Thanks, Pastor J.D. Head on over to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com to access these updates. And be sure to join us next time on In Spirit and Truth for more from the book of 2 Corinthians.